0: Hey, this is Dylan Neely. We're pumped that you're joining with us today. If you're part of our King's Church family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you via social media at King's Church KC and on our website at kingschurchkc.com, where you can learn more about taking your next step as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with other King's Church family across Kansas City. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you to follow Jesus. Let's jump into the message. How we doing, church? Good? Good. Well, hey, we're in part two of a mini-series called Habits, and I cannot be more excited about this series. It's something that I've been studying myself personally, and I really feel God is showing me some things through this for my own life, also for our church. And I'll just tell you this. uh, This doesn't happen to me often, but just praying, preparing this message this week, I feel deep in my soul that there is breakthrough for many people coming today. And uh I just feel there are people, maybe you're struggling with addictions or habits that you're like, man, I know that doesn't honor God, I know that shouldn't be my life, but I just don't know how to get free. Or maybe there's some other people that you're like, man, I've wanted to be a God-honoring man or a God-honoring woman, I've wanted to be in the word, I've wanted to be in prayer, I've, I've wanted to build healthy relationships, but I just keep following the same patterns. And I believe today is a day of freedom for many people. Like, I genuinely believe that today is a day where you're going to look back from five years from now, 10 years from now, and say, man, God did a work in my life that day. Like, something started. That was a line in the sand moment for me. And just to encourage your faith, there are two people in a room uh, upstairs back here praying right now. They're going to pray the entirety of the service. They're asking God to do that in your life. So uh, I just want to start this time by praying over you. I know that I can't do that in your life. You can't do that in your life. But God can do that in your life. Amen? Father, thank you for my friends in the room. Thank you that you're here, that you love them, that you're with them. And God, I pray, would this be a day of breakthrough? Would this be a day of freedom? God, would this be a day of understanding why maybe some habits have continued to linger that should have been gone a long time ago? And would this be a day where there's just a resolve in our minds and our hearts that we will follow Jesus, we will serve his purposes in our life? So I say, come, Holy Spirit, work in the hearts and minds of every person in this room. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, just to do a little review from last week, what we talked about is that much of what you normally do is not a result of conscious choices, but a result of daily habits. James Clear in Atomic Habits says this, he says, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your system's or your habits. Think about it this way. Uh, because vision and goals, they're great, right? Like I love goals. You talk to my wife, I make goals every day. Like I, I just love thinking about the future and what's coming forward. Uh, but the reality is goals are good for setting direction. They're horrible for making progress. Think about it this way. If, if my wife and I said, hey, we want to go to St. Louis this week. I could get out a map and look out the map to St. Louis. I could find my destination. I could, I could pull up the St. Louis Arch and think, man, I'd love to go see that. And I could dream. I could plan. I could, I could have goals. But if I don't get in a car that has a, an engine that has multiple systems functioning and tires that are doing the same rotation over and over and over and over again, thousands of times from here to St. Louis, if I don't have a system to fulfill the goal, I'll never actually get there, right? Your life is the same Way Goals are good. Dreams are good. But systems actually make it work. Duke did a study in 2006 that said over 40% of the actions we do daily are are not the result of decision-making, but the result of habits. How terrifying is that? Uh, Think about the last time you were on social media, and you scrolled, and you scrolled, and you scrolled, and 30 minutes went by, and you're like, what am I doing? Where did time go? Are my kids still alive? You know, like, you just... (laughs) Think about the last time you left work and you got in your car and you drove home and you pulled up in your driveway and you parked the car and you opened the door and you're like, wait a second, I was just at work. How did I get here? And you don't remember the drive. How, how terrifying is that? Duke said 40% of our life is that. 60% is conscious choices. 40% is just daily habits. Consider your last normal work day. All right, so you're in bed especially right now, like it's cold, she's trying to save some money, those covers are comfy, the alarm goes off, right? You do one of two things probably every day. You wake up right when it goes off or you hit snooze. And depending on how many times you hit snooze, you might wake up stressed for work because you're like, oh man, I'm gonna be late, I gotta get going. And, and maybe you make a healthy breakfast, maybe you don't make a healthy breakfast. Maybe you get a donut on the way. Maybe you stop and get a QT burrito, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you take a shower, I hope. Uh, some of y'all, I knew a guy, he was like, I shower once a week, bro. And so I, so I did COVID distancing with him at all times. You know, like I just, I just knew. Uh, your, your morning routine is probably the exact same every single day. Your evening routine is probably similar. Like maybe you get off work and go to a workout, or maybe you go get some fast food. Maybe you come home and binge watch Netflix, get the kids in bed. Maybe you make dinner. I don't know. Uh, maybe you get the kids in bed and do a bath and do the whole thing, and you come downstairs, you're watching Netflix, you lean over your spouse, you try and make a move, you get rejected again, and you go to bed angry again. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not putting that on anybody. I'm not putting that on anybody. I pray you have good marriages. Okay, so uh, these small, seemingly insignificant habits set the pace of our day and the trajectory of our lives. Stephen Covey says, our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. But honestly, I don't care what Stephen Covey says, right? Like I care what the Word of God says. I hope you do too. And so let's open the Bible together. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me, it'll be on the screen as well. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, if you'll stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, amen. Amen. may be seated. So let me just take a minute, unpack this passage, then we'll take a deep dive on how do you start good habits and break bad habits. In your life, just to start, the passage says, do not be deceived. Why would the passage say, do not be deceived? Well, because it's easy for us to be deceived, right? Like to believe something that's not true. God, just so you know, in the Bible, God doesn't waste words. Like he doesn't just like to speak just for, he, he speaks with a purpose. And if the Bible says, don't be deceived, it means watch out. It's real easy to be deceived. And so how could we be deceived? Well, we think small decisions in our life don't matter, It's been a long day, so I'll just have another drink. I feel lonely, so I'll just look at a little pornography. My kids are driving me nuts. So instead of relating to them and asking them what's going on and training them in the ways of God, I'm just going to yell at them. My spouse is driving me crazy. So instead of talking and having healthy conflict, I'm just going to kind of subtly criticize them. And these things that we just do, these small decisions, it's never just a little, is it? These small daily decisions, they compound. They compound and they compound. And the the scriptures tell us this is because God cannot be mocked. The the law of sowing and reaping is a spiritual law. It's a physical law. It's a law that God has put in place. It's one of the ways God says to us, uh, yeah, you're human and I'm God and you don't control everything. So you can't just be a crazy little kid and do whatever you want and get away with it. Like what you do has real consequences every day. Single time. Simply put, what you put in will come back out every time. Sowing and reaping its farming language, and the Bible is written to mostly an agricultural society, but we don't live in that society. And and yet this law or this principle translates, and we instinctively know this principle is true. So for instance, if you start lying to your boss or cheating at work or stealing money from the company, you know. In due time, you may get away with it for a while, but in due time, it's going to come out. It's going to ruin your reputation. You're probably going to lose your job, depending on what it is and who you work for. You might go to jail. You know, like We know. We know that if you dabble in pornography, maybe you cheat on your spouse, maybe you commit adultery, maybe you hire a prostitute. We know if you do these things, you may get away with it for a time. And I just want you to know, I know there's people in the room who probably are doing some of those things. And I just want you to know this is a safe place to like, confess sin and get healed and get free from that stuff. But you, you may get away with it for a time, but eventually it comes out. Eventually it affects your relationships, pathways in your brain. Your, your marriage might get destroyed. Your, ki- your kids may separate from it. It's just horrible things happen when we go down some of these paths. Maybe you're a workaholic and you neglect your wife and kids. And in the beginning, it's just like, I got to get stuff done. I got to get stuff done. got And then the 80-hour weeks happen again and again and again and again. And, and there's so little relationship that a gap begins to grow. And then years later, the relationship is so broken. Or maybe there's just such a lack of intimacy that you don't even know how to begin to rewind that clock and see what God might do in your family. And so I say that knowing that those are really heavy things, that, that many of us are coming in like, yeah, bro, that's me. Um, and I, I want to say that and then immediately say the good news, that Jesus Christ loves you, that he gave his life and love for you, that there's nothing irredeemable in your life, that his arm is not too short to save, that whatever is going on right now, God can heal it. God can work in it. God can move. He can do a miracle. He can make what isn't possible, possible. He can make a way where there is no way. Can I get a better amen? Amen. If you you know that's true because you've experienced it in your own life, will you help me encourage someone here who doesn't maybe know that that's true and just say amen one more time? Amen, Amen. they know it, all right. A man reaps what he sows, which is a powerful but terrifying truth. What we put in will come out. What you put into your marriage, your kids, your friendships, your heart, your mind, your financial world, your spiritual life, it will come out. So I wanna talk to you about habits, in the context of the principle or the law of the harvest. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first point the harvest is always later. I told you last week about my kids. We did sunflowers this summer and it was so much fun. Uh, I told you last week about my son who we put the sunflower seeds in the ground and five minutes later he said, Dad, it's not working. And I said, Buddy, it's gonna take some time. So, he waited two hours, you know? And he said, Came back later two hours and said, Dad, it's not working. And I was like, buddy, it's going to take some days, you know? And so a few days later, he said, Dad, it's not working. I was like, buddy, just st- forget about it. God will do his part. We did our part, you know? Like, chill. And, uh, and a few months later, we had giant sunflower, seed, sun- sunflower seeds. We had giant sunflowers, and th- they're a bear to get rid of, in case you didn't know that. So I'd encourage you not to do that. But uh, <laughs> we do the same thing in our lives, don't we? We, we go on a run. We-, we say, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to go on a run. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to eat a salad. We eat the salad, and we go on the run, and we drink too much water that day. So we get on the scale; and we're two pounds heavier. We say it's not working. You do 21 minutes of Bible reading for 21 days, but it's day four, and you don't feel it, and you're grumpy because you haven't eaten as much as you normally do. You haven't been on social media to kind of hit that fix because you're addicted to it. And it's day four, and you get in an argument with your spouse, or you're short with your kids, and you go, "God, it's not working." we do this in our own lives, don't we? We all do. The harvest is always later. I had a pastor friend say to me, he said, Dylan, you'll never reap in the same season that you sow. What you sow today will show up tomorrow. But what's showing up today, that's because of what you sowed yesterday. The harvest is always later. What, What God's called us to do is put in the seed water the soil, let the sun shine on that thing, and then wait for God to work. And to do it again and again and again, and your entire life is full of seeds. You are dropping seeds everywhere you go. Every decision, every thought, every word spoken, every relationship, it's all seeds. And there's a harvest in our life that comes from it. Think about the transformation in your life. If you went to the gym, not for seven days, but for seven years. You know what I'm saying? Like, It would be so radically different. We're so short-minded. We think, oh, today, instant gratification, microwave culture. Think about if you did 21 minutes in the word, not for 21 days, but for 21 years. Think about if you prayed with your kids every night, and you read Bible stories to them, and you shared what God had done in your life, and you took time to listen to them and understand them, and you took them out to do fun things like kick the soccer ball in the yard, and you loved them, and you were patient with them, and you showed Jesus to them, not for one day, not for two weeks, but for 18 years. Like, imagine what God can do if we get in our minds that the harvest is later, and so my job today is simply to sow seeds, Listen, if your marriage is on the rocks right now, if your finances are a mess right now, if your world is like spinning out of control chaotically, maybe you're in a season where you're just like, man, it's kind of chill. That Not a lot's going on. Whatever, wherever you're at, can I just encourage you, stop thinking about the harvest you have today and start thinking about the seeds you're going to sow tomorrow, because that will be your harvest in the future. This is true in the positive. It's also true in the negative. You play video games every night when you get home. Let me tell you, one day, no big deal. One week, okay, a little annoying. You do that for 10 years, that's thousands of hours of your life wasted. Your spouse is going to feel like, why do you, your kids are going to feel like, why do you neglect us for that? Like, is that more important to you than me? My daughter said something incredibly convicting to me a few months ago. She says, daddy, your phone's really important. I was like, oh, sweetie, no, it is not. I am so sorry. It happens in the positive, it happens in the negative. We say, Oh, just another drink. It feels good. It helps me loosen up. I forget my problems. A few weeks go by, you gain a few pounds. A few months go by, a little strain on your relationships. Ten years go by, and you're like, I've lost everything that's important to me in my life. And if that's you, God wants to step in and speak to you. Maybe for you, you see your friends, and your instinct, because it's become a habit, is to gossip. Did you see what she said? Did you see that post? oh, I can't believe them. They always do this. You gossip. And at first it feels good because you're like, man, I'm the center of attention. People love me. People know they can come to me for things. And then in due time, it ruins all your relationships. It divides your community. It destroys good things God's put in your life because everybody knows, man, if you tell him that, that's not your news anymore. That's world news, people lose trust and there's a lot of things that we do i mean no one stands at the altar saying in 5 years i'm going to want to kill you and yet that happens so many. <laughs> hey if that's you just keep looking forward you know like don't be don't be elbowing you know that's that's a dangerous time to do that no one sets out to destroy their credit rack up debt live in financial bondage no one dreams in a kid as a kid about growing up man i just want to be addicted to drugs I just want to be an alcoholic. I just want to throw my life away. No one does that, and yet it happens every single day. Why? Because of habits, because of daily decisions that compound over time. It happens in the positive, it happens in the negative. The Bible says we're deceived, because we think these small daily decisions don't make a difference. We don't see a harvest today, and we wrongly conclude, oh, the seed doesn't matter. And God wants to speak a better word over our life today. So let me just encourage you. Number one, the harvest is always later. Number two, the harvest is always greater. One tiny seed has the potential to become an oak tree. That oak tree has the potential to become a forest. I could hold those sunflower seeds in my hand. And it was so cute. Oh, we'll put that one in. We'll put that one in. We'll put that You know, it's just I could do that. When it was time to cut them down, I had to uproot those things. And drag them through my, try 100 pounds of sunflowers by the time those things were done. It was so annoying. How? Because that one tiny seed is always going to be greater in the harvest than it is in the seed. It's true in the negative. Your drunkenness will cost you more than you could ever imagine. Your pornography will destroy your intimacy and distort your mind more than you could know. Your eating habits will catch up with you and cost you more than you expected. I tell you what, this is one of the most convicting things for me, thinking about the end of 2022. Saying, God, I know I need to change some things with my diet. Because the trajectory I'm on, as my son would say, diabetes is in my future. Okay, so I'm I'm just saying they're eating way too much sugar. And I said, you'll get diabetes. And my son said, I don't want diabetes. And I said, no, you don't, son. No, you don't. Okay. So it's true in the positive. 21 minutes in the word compounded over years, you'll become a man of God. You'll become a woman of God. You'll have scripture stored in your heart. You'll be able. It'll change the way you view the world. Like your worldview will literally change because you spent time in God's word, it will change the way you relate. It will change your attitudes. It will change so many things. You say, Dylan, twenty-one days. It seems insignificant. Shouldn't I spend like four hours? No, spend twenty-one minutes or twenty-two. I don't care. Spend seven minutes. It's the habit that matters most, not the big one experience that we have. Generous living. When you're faithful with the tithe and you bring your offerings and you say, God, I want to live by faith and give more than I ever could, imagine you'll experience God's faithfulness. You'll experience his provision. You'll experience his hand over your life. When you open your heart to him, he will open the heavens over your life. But it starts like, 10%, man, that costs. That's a sacrifice. I don't know if we can do it. It starts by feeling stressed about the thought of what isn't yet. And you have to come back to the place of saying, God, I trust you for what you said in your word that you will provide for my every single need. It's the little daily habits. It's the small, small decisions compounded over time. It's faithfully attending church, even when you don't feel like it, even when you were up 2 a.m. the night before, even whatever it is, it's going to small group after the long day at work when you're like, I'm so tired, I'll get nothing out of this. And you just show up because you're like, I know God says, don't neglect to gather together as some have done. I know God says, confess your sins to each other. I know God says that I'm to live in community with other people. So I'm just going to make a decision. And that night, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go. You're going to be tired. You're going to feel like you got nothing out of it. Oh, wow. It's really encouraging. I want to sign up for a group. You know, like, (laughs) cool. That seems worth it. Um, You're going to serve on the dream team. You're going to open doors. You're going to, you're going to teach kids about Jesus. You're going to run production. You're going to lead worship. You're going to do all these different things. And, and day after day, it's probably going to feel like I'm opening a door. Cool. I, I, I'm babysitting children and telling them about Jesus while I do it. It won't feel that significant. And then the way it's gone in my life, uh, 14 years later, I look back and I think, man, that kid. That I got to teach about Christ is now walking with Jesus and serving the Lord in like every area of his life. They got they got married, like they went to a different state to plan a church. I mean, you just you see the compounding effects of what God does when you make these small daily decisions. When you go to a small group and you don't feel like it, I t- tell you what, this week ain't gonna change nothing. This month, probably not gonna change anything. Ten years from now, you're gonna have friends that build your faith. You're going to have friends that know the deep things of your soul. You're going to have people you can run to when your life is on the rocks. You're like, man, I don't know what to do. And they're going to say, man, we got you. They're going to lift your hands when you can't lift your hands yourself. And if you think, man, I'm kind of good. Like I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need that. You're deceived. The Bible would say you're deceived. The first, the harvest is later. The second, the harvest is greater. The third, the harvest is determined by the seed. He says, if you sow to please the flesh, you will reap destruction. If you sow to please the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Apple seeds don't produce orange trees. Apple seeds produce apple trees. The question for us is, what seed are you sowing? Because the seed you sow is the harvest that you will get. The question is, if you have bad ungodly habits how do you break them? And if you want good God-honoring habits, how do you make them? How do you create faith-building, God-honoring habits in your life? Well, first of all, you have to understand how habits work. And so I want to do a combination today of psychology and theology. Putting most of the weight in theology, but understanding how the mind works kind of helps as well. So I'm going to kind of burn through this. So you have to understand how habits work. And the way we do that is through something called the habit loop. Pretty much Every person who's done major studies on this comes to the conclusion there are a few steps, they name them different, they number them different, but a few steps that happen in our habits. Number one, you have a trigger. Number two, you have an action. And number three, you have a reward. Let me give you an example. Last year, November, December, some of the busiest years of the month for me as a pastor, especially December with Christmas and all that, I was tired, I was exhausted, we were were pushing hard, and thankfully we saw God do some incredible things, Uh, but I was tired at the end of my day. And so I got in the habit. We would put our kids to bed, I'd pray for them, I'd kiss them goodnight. We kind of every night we'd tell them here's a few things I love about you. It's a really sweet thing. But we'd walk out of the room, and the way our house is designed, if I turn left, it's the kitchen and the living room. And if I turn right, it's my bedroom and a bathroom. And so I got in the habit every day as we every night as we put the kids in bed, I would turn left, I would grab either a box of Oreos or a bag of popcorn, and I would sit on the couch with the remote, and I would watch Netflix for about two hours. November and December, that was just a habit that started to be ingrained in our life. I mean, almost every night of the week, that's what we're doing, Um, unless we're having people over doing something like that. And so it became a negative habit. How did it happen? I had the trigger of walking out of the kid's room. I had the response of turning left, and then the reward of entertainment and relaxation and sometimes a sugar rush, Okay, Here's another one. Uh, We had a white elephant uh, gift exchange with our leaders in the church in December, and someone sinned and brought a candy dispenser as a gift. And thanks be to God, someone else won the dispenser. And not thanks be to God, my son begged them with puppy dog eyes to give us the dispenser. And my sin of choice is Skittles. I love them. And... uh, And the gift that came with the dispenser was a giant bag of Skittles, like bigger than I've ever seen. And so we decided, out of sight, out of mind, we'll put it in the basement where, you know, we can host people when they come over and they'll get to enjoy Skittles. But we put it right next to the utility closet. And many things happen in that utility closet, like a hot water being changed out and all these different things that caused me to walk by it numerous times in in December, Every time I went by the candy dispenser, your boy got some Skittles, you know what I'm saying? So uh, what happened? Trigger, walked by it, response, hand under Skittles, reward, sugar rush, delight, the joy of heaven on earth through Skittles, you know? These are bad habits, that's the habit loop. How do you break a bad habit? I'm doing it right now, you have to acknowledge it, okay? You have to just come clean, you've got a bad habit. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. What, 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 if, what if it's an attitude? You've got a critical spirit, a complaining heart, a gossiping tongue. You've got to speak it. Hey, this is a problem in my life. Maybe you're overeating. Maybe you're BFFs with the DoorDash guy. You know, like he's just, that's my dude because he's there every day. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe it's digital for you, video games. Social media, binge-watching Netflix, pornography, maybe an addiction to your phone. You, you open that thing where Apple tells you how many times you've picked up your phone today and it's in the thousands and you're like, I don't wanna know. You know, you just you try and hide that part of it. Maybe for you it's a substance, sugar, nicotine, prescription medications, alcohol, drugs. Whatever it is, the first step is just acknowledging I have a problem. I need help. I need God to break something off of my life. The second step is to remove the trigger and there's five major triggers that uh, studies have shown us exist, and you, you've probably experienced it in your own life. The, number, the first one is place. You probably don't overeat at the gym. You probably don't get high at church. I hope not. All right? So <laughs> if you slip out, I might know. But uh, you might at a Super Bowl party with friends who aren't following Jesus. You got to surround yourself with God's people and get in a small group. This happened for King David. Uh, you know, he cheated on his wife and slept with Bathsheba. He committed adultery for sure. He might've actually raped her. And, and then he went on to kill her husband to hide it all up, cover it all up. How did that start? Well, it, the Bible tells us it was in the springtime when the kings go off to war. David, why were you not at war? It was springtime. He was in the wrong place with no accountability up on his rooftop looking for something and he sees Bathsheba and one thing leads to another and he falls into this compounding sin effect, actually ends up taking a man's life. Place is a trigger. Time is a trigger. You probably don't look at porn at small group. It's probably late at night when you're bored and alone. So what do you do? You turn your phone off. You turn it at 6 p.m., Before you ever get triggered by that time of the night, and you don't turn it on again until 6 a.m., and when you're tempted to go turn it on, you put your Bible on top of your phone. So if this is your phone, if your phone's right here, I don't have my phone. If your phone's right here, you set your Bible on it to where you have to move God's Word out of the way to touch that thing. Time can be a trigger. Mood can be a trigger. You're hungry, you're angry, or you're hangry. You're lonely, you're tired. You have to avoid temptation during these times. Don't Listen, social media is such a simple thing to go to. Don't start scrolling when you're in that place, because you have no strength at that time to resist the temptation and keep yourself from doing it. Maybe it's a moment. After a fight with your husband, you call the girlfriend and complain about him. Maybe after you flunk the test, you smoke, t- you smoke some pot. Or before the test, you smoke some pot. Or you skip the test and smoke some pot. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's a moment. Maybe it's after your kids are in bed like me. I turn left instead of turning right. If I turn right, I fold laundry. I get my bed ready. I brush my teeth. If I turn left, Oreos and Netflix. You know, it could be a moment. Maybe for you, it's people. Studies have proven again and again, we become like the five people we spend the most time with. Your spending habits, your eating habits, your spiritual life, your relational quality, every area of life, the closer you are to someone, the more you become like them, Proverbs says this, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Can I tell you one of the things that helps me have good healthy habits in my life? My closest friends, they love Jesus. They love their wives. If they're single, they're leveraging their singleness for Jesus Christ. That they're not living a life of bad habits. Do you know how hard it would be for me if my closest friends didn't follow Jesus, addicted to drugs, lived their weekends at a casino, didn't love their families? It'd be so hard. But but instead, the people that I'm closest with are constantly pushing me back to Jesus Christ. You need that in your life. I'm going to say it again. You need to get in a small group. Why? Because you need people around you that are calling you forward in your faith. Number three, you need to, or secondly, you need to remove the trigger. Number three, you need to interrupt the action. Don't raise hands. But how many people, that alarm goes off and you hit that snooze button six times? Like you are an hour late for your alarm every single day. You know what you need to do? You need to interrupt the action. You need to move the alarm at least 10 feet away from your bed, which if you have a wife and children... Um, it will cause a panic attack every morning because I'm like, if I wake my kids up, you know, like I might just get an elbow in the face, you know, so it's, it's, um, so when that alarm goes off, I'm like, Whoop, okay, and I've got an adrenaline rush and I'm out of bed. And then immediately for me, I get in the shower because I'm like, I know if I just hit the alarm, I'm going to go back to the bed or I'm going to go to sit downstairs and just wait for myself. But if I get in the shower, it wakes me up. You need some habits where you interrupt the bad action to put in the good Maybe you overspend on Amazon. You need to give a friend your password. So you have to ask them before you buy something. Maybe it's the Skittles dispenser. I know for me, what I'm doing, I'm putting that thing in a storage box. I'm hiding it as far away, from, and then I'm going to give it to you for a white elephant gift next year, okay? So, uh, maybe it's pornography. You need to lock your phone down and delete social media. Why would I, I don't want to delete social media. I don't want to lose all my friends. Why would you not eliminate a temptation today so you don't even have to resist it tomorrow. Why do you put yourself in the path? The Proverbs tell us don't go down the street of the prostitute. What's that saying? That's probably the quickest way home. Probably the easiest way home. It's probably the fastest way home. But it's, it's a way home that's gonna lead you down a destructive path. So, so go the way that may be harder, maybe longer, but it's gonna actually bring life into your life. Think about Samson for, for a minute. Samson in Judges 16:1, it says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. And he went into her. Now, if you're saying, what does that mean he went into her? That's Bible language for they shacked up, okay? So, uh, and this story is mind-boggling because Gaza is Philistine headquarters. It's public enemy number one. They wanted Samson's head on a platter. Not only that, it's 25 miles from his hometown, Zorah. Why would he risk so much for so little? The reality is many people do it. Every single, probably some people in this room are doing things like this every single day. And you think, why would they do it? One small habit at a time. It compounded over time, and it became what it is. There's 56,250 steps in 25 miles. That's 56,250 opportunities to confess his sin, to get help, to call upon accountability, to simply not step forward but step back and say, I'm not going down that road. Friends, every single day, we have decisions to make. And let me just tell you, your decisions You get to choose. But your decisions over time become habits. Your habits over time shape your character. Your character over time determines your destiny. And so if you want to change where you're going, you've got to first change those decisions, which will in in turn impact your habits. Maybe you're in a really bad spot. Like, man, man, I'm addicted to gambling. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to alcohol. I am hiring sex. Listen, you got to know God loves you. He's for you. He sent his son for you. He has called you free in Jesus. And you can walk in that freedom today. But because he's called you free, because you are a child of God, you got to make some decisions today. you got to get some help. You may need to go to rehab. You may need to pull someone aside before you leave church and say, can I just get real with you for a second? because God has more for you in this life than what you're currently experiencing. That's how to break bad habits. How do I start good habits? Number one, make it obvious. For me, simply turn right instead of left. Literally last night, uh, I was going downstairs to talk to Rebecca. She said, hey, come talk to me in a second. I said, cool, I got to turn right first. I turn right, brush my teeth. Okay, now I can go downstairs. I'm just trying to break that habit by making it simple. Maybe for you, you want to read your Bible. Put it on the kitchen table with a journal and a pen before you go to bed so that it's there when you wake up. It triggers the thought, I need to read my Bible. If you want to do Bible before social media, let me encourage you. Turn your phone off. There is an off button, I promise. Turn your phone off and put your Bible on top of it so that you know, okay, I got to get into the Word before I get into that. And then let that be a reward once you get in your Word. It's something else a reward. If you want to eat healthier, throw the chips and the Oreos in the trash and put a bowl of apples on the countertop. Okay? Uh, If you don't like apples, oranges. Okay? I think I heard an uh in the room. So uh, make it obvious. Number two, make it easy. You want to be a man of God's word? Don't make your goal. I'm going to read 16 chapters a day and pray for four hours. Don't do that. Make your goal. I'm going to read one verse a day. If I just read one one verse a day, let me tell you, you do that for 365 days, your story's going to be like Breeze. I started to read and I just read more. If you say I have to read one verse a day, I promise you, you're going to read more. You're going to read more. If you want to sacrificially love your spouse, just make a decision. Every day I'm going to hold their hand. I'm going to thank God for something in our life. Maybe you want to lose 30 pounds. After you change the diaper, just do 10 air squats. You know, like it's just put the habit in. Uh, You like my air squats? Okay. So (laughs) maybe you want to welcome others as Christ has welcomed me. When church ends, make a decision. Every week I'm meeting someone I don't know. I'm meeting one person I don't know. And I'm just going to take this step and believe that God will do something. Maybe you want to do a five-mile run Don't make your goal that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and run five miles. Make your goal, I'm going to put my running shoes on. That's actually what James Clear talks about, atomic habits, just little baby habits that help you take the step. If you put your shoes on, you're probably going on a run. If you want to serve God's purposes, just join the dream team. Like baby step, but God will use it. It will start a habit in your life. Third thing you got to do, you got to stack your habits. So you already have some habits in place. You can just tack a habit on top of it. So for me, The alarm's going off. I'm getting in the shower. After that, I know, okay, yeah, Ben, if you could come, that'd be awesome. Thank you. I know that after that is time for God's word. I know that when I leave the house, I'm always going to kiss Rebecca and the kids. I know that when I come into the house, the first thing I do is I'm going to kiss Rebecca and the kids. I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to put it in the drawer and shut the drawer. Actually, the other day, it was really hard for me. I really wanted to do some work. So I said to my daughter, I said, hey, you want to play a game? Take daddy's phone and go hide it somewhere. And I don't get to get it back until you go to bed. She was like, really? And I was like, yeah, really, you can do it. Okay, so just do, stack some habits in your life. Maybe after you make coffee, you read one verse. After I put my kids to bed, I do a 30-second plank. After I brush my teeth, I journal one sentence. After I journal one sentence, I'm going to get on my knees and thank God for one thing in my life. When I see my friends, the first words out of my mouth are going to be words of blessing, words of life, words of encouragement. I'm going to choose. I will not come to them and complain. I will not come to them and criticize or gossip. No, no, I am gonna say something good about them or God or what God is doing. I'm just going to decide that's who I'm becoming. We talked about it last week. You gotta know who you're becoming so that you'll know what you need to be doing. That's what these habits are all about. Maybe scripture memorization. I didn't think I could memorize scripture years ago. I legitimately didn't. I thought like, man, that's for other people who are super disciplined, that's not me. And a pastor friend of mine, his name's Rick, he said, Dylan, just start with one verse and just say it 10 times over to yourself. And if you get that one verse, then do another verse, and then another verse. This is one of the most powerful habits that I have in my life. And maybe for you, you're driving to work because you slept in, you're stressed out, you didn't eat breakfast, you skipped your devotional, you think, man, my day is ruined. No, it's not. Not if you memorize some scripture. Not if you stored up God's word in your heart because you can do what I do on those days. I recite Psalm 1, 1 through 3 to myself. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And I say to myself, God, that's who I want to be. I don't want to laugh at the dirty joke. I don't want to engage in sinfulness. And I also don't want to be that heavy Christian who's just mad about everything. I want to be delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. I want to plant my life down next to the river of your love. And the psalmist goes on, he says, in all that that man does, he prospers. You want to prosper in your life. The way to do it is not cheating or lying to get ahead. The way to do it is to plant yourself next to the river of God's word. Maybe you're driving to work and you're like, God, I just, I'm so focused on the stressful situations in my life. I can't think about anything. Psalm 19:1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Maybe you're like, man, I just feel so distant from God. I feel like I don't even know how to come close to him. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God when shall I come and appear before him? My, my tears have been my food day and night. You say, God, I'm just, I'm so hungry for you, but I feel so distant from you. Read Psalm 42, get it deep in your soul. You know what I do a lot of mornings? I don't feel like worshiping, just to be honest with you. I feel like eating, I feel like relaxing. I feel like these things that please my flesh. But I know God's called me to please the spirit. Memorize Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know what that does to my soul when I read it, when I recite it? I could just say that again and again and again. Why? Because it's in my heart. God wants to put his word in your heart. It starts as simple as one verse. And you say it again and again and again, and then it's in you. You know what that does for me? It reminds me on my worst days that he, I am forgiven of all of my sin, my past sin, my present sin, my future. I'm not dependent on how well I've done. I'm dependent on what he has done for me. It reminds me that I'm redeemed, that I've been bought with a price, that I've been healed, and that one day I will be fully healed. It reminds me that he's crowned me with steadfast love and mercy. I don't know what's on your mind today, but that is what's on your head if you're in Christ Jesus. You've been crowned with steadfast love and mercy. And he's satisfied me with good. All the little disappointments in my life that I'm like, God, I just don't, I, don't, I wish it was different. I can come back and say, no, no, God, you've been faithful to me. You've been good to me. Will you stand with me, friends, as we close out this morning? I want to encourage you. Zechariah 4.10 tells us, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Galatians 6.9 ends and says, let us, become, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Maybe you say, Dylan, I don't know where to start. You can start right now by praying say, God, come meet with me, speak to me, move in my life, because I believe he wants to bring a breakthrough in your life. He wants to bring a breakthrough to break off the chains of bad habits and bring a breakthrough where you're building in some good God-honoring habits in your life. If you're here this morning, you say, Dylan, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I came to church. I'm kind of checking it out, but I don't really know him. I want you to know Jesus Christ gave his life and love for you. He died on a cross in your place for your sins. He rose from the dead to give you life in his name. And the Bible says, if you call upon his name, that you will be saved. And so if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can pray this simple prayer. There's not power in the prayer, there's power in the faith in your heart. to say, God, I believe, I confess, and I surrender my life to you. And so if that's you, I'm gonna invite you to join with our church as we pray this prayer. Maybe you're coming back to God for the very first time. Maybe you've known him and you're coming back. I want to encourage you. Join us as we pray this prayer. You can close your eyes and bow your heads and join with me as I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your work. Go ahead and say it with me, church. Thank you for your work. On the cross. Through Christ. I believe that he is The Son of God who gave His life in love for me. I confess I am a sinner in need of His saving. Please forgive me. Please fill me with Your Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, all of heaven is rejoicing over you. If you just prayed that prayer as a way of coming back to God, the Father is not saying, man, about time. His arms are open to you. He's running after you. He's rejoicing over you this morning. We're going to do something now as a church that we do every single week. We're going to receive communion together. There's a cup in the chair in front of you in that metal basket. If you would grab that out. You're going to open the top, this piece of bread, and then open it again, there's a little cup of juice. This bread and this juice represents the body and blood of Jesus that was spilled for us. Every week we do this to remind our souls that we are saved, that we're secure, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. And the scriptures tell us that every time we take this together, we declare his death until he returns. So church, you may take the body and eat. You may take the cup and drink. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a song to declare over our souls that Jesus Christ has the power to bring life out of death, that he has the power to break chains, that he has the power to move in your life even when you don't feel it. I want to encourage you as we sing this song, engage it with your whole heart. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands in worship. Shout a song of praise to our God. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing it. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life and love for us. We know and we declare that whatever is dead in our life, you have the power to bring it back to life. We thank you that based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, We have been set free, and we can walk in your freedom today. And so, God, I pray today would be a day, would would today be a day where you draw a line in the sand in our life, where we move forward and we don't go backwards. God, would you break off chains right now? Lord, would you speak a word of healing, a word of truth, a word of grace into our hearts as we worship you, Jesus?